Welcome to the official unofficial podcast dedicated to Eastern Washington athletics. This is the Eagles Power Hour, an affiliate member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Introducing your hosts, standing at a staggering 5 foot 10 inches tall. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's just that idiot who thinks it's a great idea to paint his chest in 10 degree weather for an Eastern Washington football game. Now, based out of Houston, Texas, Kyler Neal. The other host is a local firefighter. He saves kittens by day. Talks EWU sports by night. He is six foot two without heels and has a vertical of 32 inches. Based out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yours and my favorite Eagles Power Hour host, Rusty Kramer. Without further ado, here it is the greatest podcast in the big sky the Red Turf Repping Eagles Power Hour. my gosh eagles power hour fans listeners whatever you want to call yourselves man we're back it's been holy crap it's been way too long since you know rusty and i've been on the mic recording and actually chatting with each other i honestly cannot even tell you the last time we recorded um i really have no clue i can't even give you a guesstimate but hey man we're back i'm your host kyler neal and with me i got rusty rusty how you doing bud I'm doing pretty well. It's good to kind of get back and record in the swing of things. Uh, like you said, man, it's been a while since we've recorded together. Uh, I think we've been doing individual like interviews. Uh, I've been interviewing some of the coaching staff and the basketball uh, team, and you've been doing your interviews. But we got a little call out from one of our listeners today uh, from Patrick. Said that the Idaho Vandals podcast been running their mouth a little too much, so it was time for the People's Champ to make a little return after the holidays and uh, talk some uh, Eagle sports. Well, what's crazy is you know half of Idaho's listeners are Eagles Eagles Power Hour fans because you know they want to hear what type of crap they're talking. So you know now we're back, we're live. Half of you know the Vandals, whatever tubs of the clubs listeners, now their audience is going to go down by at least half because pretty much the best fans on the nation. You guys are Eastern fans, and we're going to be back. We're talking Eastern Washington sports, baby. Woo! Yeah, so uh, before we get into it, uh, how, was, how was your holidays? How was, how was Christmas? How was, how was everything? Holy crap, has it really been before Christmas? It was. It was. Man. Yeah, it's been a minute. That is nuts. Okay. Um, yeah, man. So, I mean, I went to Mexico. I can't complain. Mexico is always a good time. Um, and I have a little bit of a story. So we went down to Tulum, Mexico with my sister and my mom. We just had a good time. My wife couldn't come because she works retail, but it was just, you know, a little family trip since we've never really taken one. So I went and saw this little vendor. They had, you know, some college, basically paintings like masks, um, kind of Mexican masks. And they're really cool. They're like the Mayans and stuff. So I'm walking, I see Dub. I see Boise State. I see all these colleges. And he, I'm like looking at him and he goes, hey, man, um, what school do you want? What, you know, I'll paint whatever school you have or I have all your schools. And I was like, man, bro, you've never heard of my school. And he goes, oh, yeah, I have. You know, test me. And I was like, all right, I went to Eastern Washington. And he went, oh, you guys are the ones that lost to North Dakota State in the championship. <laughs> I was like, you son of a bitch. He started trolling me. But, uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. That means you've actually followed because he didn't have the Eastern one there, 
but he had a North Dakota State one. So when he was saying, yeah, you guys are the ones that lost to this team, and he held it up, and I was just like, you bastard. Uh, but he's like, hey, man, I actually have an Eastern Washington one. It's back at my shop in Cancun. It's an hour and a half drive. Um, I'm more than happy to bring it to you tomorrow if you want it. And I was like, wow, okay. So he, he got me this cool little Eastern mask. I bought an Idaho one. Uh, Chris, you know, the tubs at the clubs, they wanted some Idaho ones. So, uh, yeah, but I thought that was kind of a cool story that even people in Tulum, Mexico, you know, they've, they at least know who Eastern Washington is. Yeah, I was pretty surprised when you uh, uh, when you shared that story to me that uh, that they not only knew who they were, but they had a little background information about them as well. Yeah, I was dumbfounded by that because I really thought, you know, going international, when I said, man, you've never heard of my school, I was 90, actually, I was more than 100% positive that he had never heard of my school. But so, nope. He so, did, did, so you went, your wife didn't go to Mexico no. with you? No, so uh, originally that sounds that sounds like it, that's potentially like uh, it's like a trap almost as far as like yeah you could go yeah, it's fine don't you don't have to take me with you and then <laughs> when, as soon as you leave you're in trouble it's just game over you're in the doghouse. <laughs> no, no, my wife's a pretty cool chick. Um, one thing she was excited about is you know maybe she didn't have to go with the familia. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, man, when I go to Mexico, all we like to do is drink on the beach. We like to relax and, you know, not, not have any events. We like to just do nothing. Um, where my side of the family, they're active. So like in the middle of December, which is the busiest time for my wife's work, she would have been miserable going, doing all of these excursions because she wants to relax from the real world. But, um, so she was actually pretty happy that I did not bring her along. <laughs> well, and she probably has a little break away from you. So, I mean, and you, you could be talkative at times, so I can only imagine. Oh man. She loves it when I'm gone for like more than a week. She, she's <laughs> having a good time. We don't call each other. We don't text each other. You know, it's like seven days in. She's like, oh man, I kind of forgot that we were still married. Um, you know? <laughs> well, it's the same. Cause I, uh, when I'm at work, I'm at work for two days and then I'm home for four days. So it's just. When I'm at work, I'm at work, and my wife gets a little vacation away from me. And I'm a high-energy guy. I mean, we've been married going on 13 years now, so it's just uh, I, I know she enjoys her little breaks when I'm at work, so I totally get it. Absolutely. And now with my new job, I mean, I'm pretty much working those two days. I'm gone 14 to 16 hours every single day, six days a week. It's uh, My wife's loving the time at home by herself. There you go. That's Yeah, that, that's That's crazy. How was your holidays, man? It was good, man. It was actually really good. I had uh, I had Christmas off this year, which was really nice, and so I got to spend the time with uh, with my family, and uh, we just had hung out, open presents, and uh, had some some uh, uh, some Christmas dinner and watched basketball the rest of the day. So it was a pretty chill and relaxed day. We didn't really have any snow, which is. It's been a weird winter. Like some mornings, I've been waking up. I'm like, is this the beginning of spring? It almost feels that way. So it's been pretty strange so far. Is it? Is it warm? It's it. Well, I mean, it's it's just it's so clear out. There. I mean, there's no snow on the ground, and I you know I live over here in Coeur d'Alene, and so we typically have you know more snow than Spokane, but we don't have anything. Like today, I was walking around in like pants and a t-shirt, and it was no problem. I mean, it was a little bit colder. It would have it required to have like a coat on or whatnot, but I mean, the weather's pretty nice right now, man. Yeah, there was, um, I think it was just last weekend, or maybe a week and a half ago, Houston was colder than, Coeur d'Alene was colder than Spokane. We had snow throughout all of Texas. It was really weird. Oh, I could only imagine the, the driving, that, or the chaotic driving that takes place when that happens. 
Oh, like, so right where I live, we did not get any snow, but like pretty much everywhere else around Texas did. Um, even like parts of Houston. And I mean, that's about as south of Texas as you can get besides when you go down to Mexico, like Corpus Christi, but Houston is pretty south. But even like Austin got a couple inches of snow. Yeah, I would, I probably would stay off the roads in Texas if there was snow. I don't trust any of those bastards driving um, <laughs> if, if the snow comes down. Yeah, I hear that, man. I mean, we just had the windstorm recently, which was pretty big deal uh, up here. I mean, the winds got up to 70 miles an hour in Pulse Falls. I know, uh, like Ryan Collingwood, he, he lost power for, I think, up to like 48 hours or something like that. I mean, it, it was pretty, uh, it was a pretty crazy windstorm. But besides that, I mean, it's been a pretty relaxed winter so far. Nice. And the good news is, you know, the Green Bay Packers are going to the, you know, NFC Championship. Let's go. Yeah, something like that. All right. Well, you know, I don't want to bum you out too much. So we can at least dive into Eastern Washington athletics, man. Let's are you do excited? It. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk some uh, EWU. Well, guess what, man? Football is starting soon. Well, potentially. <laughs> don't, don't. You don't, <laughs> don't be a Debbie Downer. Right now, football is starting. I can't handle, you know, a full year of not having college football. So, you know, fall was already, fall was already tough enough for me. Uh, so, you know what? We're just going to say we're 100% having it until they cancel. So, but yeah, man, we have spring football season. It's really within a month away or less than a month away. So that's kind of exciting, but we do have some breaking news. It's probably not breaking news for a lot of you fans because, you know, that was breaking news as of last week, but the two Montana schools decided they are not going to play spring football. What, what were your initial thoughts when you heard that news, Rusty? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I just, I wasn't. Maybe I've been so like uh, numb to everything with this past year of taking place. I'm just used to games being canceled or things not taking place or the Pac-12 saying they're not going to play. Then they change their minds that they are going to play. Uh, what I heard about the both, you know, Montana, Montana State saying that they're not going to partake in spring football. I wasn't really like took it away that far. And I guess the reason being is like as we get closer and closer to this, uh, you know, spring season, uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of talk. Uh, about it coming from you know the big sky conference or whatnot and so if anything that kind of just starts bringing doubt to my mind that it's actually going to take place and maybe i'm looking at the glass you know half empty or whatever the saying goes but i mean i, mean, I would love for there to be spring football i mean i would absolutely love it but it's two big dogs in the big sky conference that pull out i mean I, that's got to make it pretty tough and it's not just them but yeah they're definitely the two big dogs of the big sky in terms of you know attendance draw tv type viewerships with root sports i mean it's it's us and them really we're the draws of the big sky now um when you have those two big powerful teams pulling out it definitely shakes up the conference you know portland state they're not gonna play which who cares uh if they play or not that's not really gonna change the whole conference outlook sacramento state has decided not to play but that was that was decided a long time ago um so right now we have nine schools that are still fully committed to play. At least that's what the rumor is around the street. You know, Idaho's coach has made a couple of announcements on their social media that they're playing. Eastern Washington's 100% practicing. All the other schools, the other nine, they have right now said they're committed to playing spring football. And now we just have to kind of wait and see. But it definitely shakes things up. We need a whole new schedule. Yep. But what really makes me mad about this, Rusty, is now Montana has avoided coming to Cheney since 2016. And the next time they will be coming to Cheney 
is anticipated 2024. We will have gone to Montana three or four times before they have come to Cheney. What the hell is that about? Yeah, that's well played. I mean, they know that it's just not going to happen coming to Cheney. <laughs> well, well it, it, I mean, the reality is, I mean, it is extremely tough for, you know, away teams to get wins here uh, in, in Cheney, Washington. That's just a, a plain fact. And it's unfortunate that that, you know, takes place. I mean, what we're losing uh, three games out of our spring schedule so far, right? With Portland State, uh, Montana, Montana State. So, yeah, uh, you know, so what, I, mean, I mean, you keep, I understand like it, it's a go right now for spring football and maybe yeah. I'm just looking at it a little bit more uh, just, you know, with a question mark, I guess. In your mind, you know, putting a percent to it, what would you say that you believe that there's going to be spring football this season? I'm actually pretty optimistic that we're going to see some type of games. Maybe it's not a full spring season, uh, but a lot of the big players in the FCS are still 100% committed to playing. So, you know, Montana, Montana State were the two big ones that opted out. Other than that, like, you know, Central Arkansas, they played a full fall season, but they're really the only playoff caliber team that has opted out until these Montana schools did. So North Dakota State, 100% still in. James Madison, 100% still in. All of these big-time players are 100% still in. Um, at least that's what that's what they've said. You know, is right. that going to happen? I'm not positive. So I'd still say since most of the big players are in and, you know, the nine schools, you know, at least from the Big Sky's posting, I think it was by the Big Sky commissioner, he said nine schools are still committed 100% to playing as long as they're allowed to. Right. Man, I feel good. I feel like at least it's 85 to 90% we're going to see some type of spring activity. Um, I don't know exactly what it's going to mean, but I'm I'm optimistic. Man. So so would you say would you keep that same percent to you know 85 to 90 you know percent or whatever percent you said for Eastern Washington? Or are you just saying uh, uh, football in general in the spring? Because the reason I say that the big difference obviously with like a James Madison in Eastern Washington is you know cash money, man. Uh, we talked yeah. about that you know. This fall, we talked about it, you know, pretty big. Uh, we had a pretty big time interview with uh, the athletic director, Lynn Hickey, and we, you know, that was the main topic of conversation. And to me, like looking at spring football, what is the initiative uh, to have spring football when it comes to, you know, dollars and dimes? Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that, that is going to drive things, especially when you're not able to have fans. Or what is that going to look like, you know? so. Well, I'm going to just relay it you know, the information that I at least heard from, I believe was the, the new, you know, president of Eastern Washington or the president stand-in, whatever, intern president. He said, we're going to have football even if we can't have fans in. So mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just because football is our number one sport at Eastern Washington in terms of fan base. Um, and it's something, well, here, let me actually backtrack because Chris from Tubbs at the club actually pointed out something that I didn't even think about, okay? And, and I actually kind of want your opinion. He said a thing that really kind of resonated, and I actually believe it. He said Eastern Washington is in a weird position where they probably can't afford to have a spring football season without fans, but they're also in another weird position where they can't afford to not have a spring. With all of the donors, all of the funding that we've actually increased over the last couple years under Lynn Hickey, if we don't participate in the spring, with all of the things that happened you know, this last fall in the early parts of the year about Eastern Washington, the faculty senate, all of this cutting athletics, we actually probably can't afford not to play due to the funding that would be eliminated. That they would lose all faith in anyone who's funding, you know, our football team, our athletics. They would start losing faith. So Eastern's probably in a weird 
a weird uh, predicament to where if the big sky is playing outside of a couple schools, we probably need to play to show the big sky and to show our fans, to show all of our fundraising that we're committed to still playing D1 football. Yeah, you know, it's a tough one because, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, putting on a football season, if it's a regular full-size schedule that you would typically see in a normal year, whatever that is, you know, nowadays, but, you know, with what we have going in the spring, it's still COVID tests cost money, traveling costs money, and we have all these things, we're not having stuff like, you know, fans in the state, we see ticket holders and all these, you know, other things, so, I mean, it's... It's a give and take. Uh, so when I look at it, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I just think it's really difficult to to go forward with you know spring football with no fans uh, when you're already hurting financially. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's we are in a weird position, but I I really do think if the Big Sky, the other nine teams are going to commit now, if a couple more fall off, I bet you Eastern Washington falls off. Um, but as long as the majority of them are playing, especially Idaho, if Idaho is committed to play, I think Eastern Washington will be committed to play since we're kind of in that same region. Um, and guess what? Idaho doesn't even have any fans normally anyway, so that's not even going to (laughs) change. Yeah. Well, don't get me wrong. And I I know I'm sounding like a Debbie Downer and everything, but I I want Eastern Washington play. I want to watch some football, uh, this season. I would, it wouldn't even mind if they played an opponent twice in the season, you know what I'm saying? Just to somehow fill those games. Yeah, no, I, so the good news is now, since there is six teams, we have nine teams still eligible. Now, who knows what the California schools are going to be? Because that's still, the state of California has the strictest, you know, COVID rules in place. I don't know if they'll be able to play right now. Cal Poly just posted some pictures of their football team. I think they're excited to play under, you know, new Bo Baldwin. But um, it will be interesting, you know, to see in the next few weeks. But I really do think if Idaho and a majority of the Big Sky are going to play, I really do think Eastern Washington is. And since there are nine teams and we're only having a six-game schedule, we probably don't need to schedule you know, multiple teams. We could probably get Weber, Idaho State, Idaho, and then we'll probably have to go on the road to California a couple times if they're open. So I don't know, but I, I actually would like to play Idaho twice. I think it makes sense financially because they're so close. And mm-hmm. you know, I, as much as I dog on Idaho – they're, they're actually a really, you know, I like everything about Idaho. I'm trying to hate them so much. That's why I dog on them so much. But, man, the fans are cool that I've met. Um, I like, you know, most of their colors besides their puke yellow helmet. But, um, yeah, I would, I, would, uh, I would be okay with playing Idaho twice. Yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, that would – if they are able to work something out, like, you know, with – the biggest thing, though, too, to look at is with basketball season going on right now, they had to be very creative and schedule teams like in Arizona at the last minute where teams are finding out at the last minute. And, yes, basketball is different from football as far as preparation, uh, as far as time-wise in between games. But uh, with how creative athletic directors had to be during this basketball and even uh, football, this fall football that took place – I it wouldn't surprise me by any, you know, any stretch of imagination if, if they got creative with the schedule. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We'll, we'll keep you guys posted. Once we hear what the new schedule is, guys, we'll post it. We'll talk about it. Um, but as of right now, we're now still waiting on that new schedule since I the Montana school's canceled. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think this would be kind of a good transition, keep it on football, to talk uh, you know, our newest Eagles that are coming to Eastern Washington. And we have the expert, uh, the subject matter expert here uh, with us on the podcast, Kyler. So I'd like to hear your thoughts of what the Eagles got coming in. 
Dude, stop it. Um, no, I'm actually pretty excited about this class. This class, you know, it already ranks as a top 10 class in the FCS again. That's the good news. Um, there's a couple other Big Sky teams that have been recruiting really well this year, so it's going to be interesting to see what pans out this next decade. But, man, there's some, there's some straight-up ballers on this class that I'm really excited about. Um, so we have, you know, a top 65 quarterback, dual-type quarterback ranked in the nation, um, Keith. Kikoa, sorry guys, I'm going to butcher your name, so even if you're listening, you know, you knew recruits or something, I will butcher the names, but I have seen a lot of tape on this kid, he's from Spanaway, he played at one of our, you know, conference rivals, if you will, Bethel, so when I went to high school down there in Puyallup, but he's a dual threat quarterback, he seems to have good vision, he has good speed, um, he was one of the faster quarterbacks, at least in the SPSL, if not the fastest, you know, he's six foot 190. He's going to fit the mold of Eastern Washington type dual threat quarterbacks that we've had, you know, the last 10 years. Um, I think he's going to play really well. I was actually surprised, and I don't know why, but he didn't get as many offers as he probably should have. But, you know, he's a top 28 kid in the state. He's a top 65 dual quarterback in the nation, and I'm really excited to have him on our team. The only thing that makes me nervous is our quarterback room is so deep, yeah. you know, and, and we have... You know, at, two quarterbacks are going to take up four years uh, at Eastern Washington, right? With look at Gage. You know, he was there 2016, and then Eric Berrier. It's going to be 2022 before he leaves. That is six years, and that's two quarterbacks. So our quarterback room is so deep, and we have so much talent. You know, I, I hope we see this kid play. I hope he commits, and he's you know maybe we see him as a junior. I hope he, we redshirt him because we have so much room in our QB room. But, man, he, he looks like a stud, and I'm excited to watch him. Yeah, but that being said, though, you, you look at the amount of Eastern quarterbacks that go to Canada and play pro ball up there, right? And that mm-hmm. you know that speaks to the, the quarterback locker room that are – I mean, there's a bunch of dudes that are competing against each other day in and day out, and pressure makes diamonds, man. That's just, that's just a fact. And I think you're seeing the results of that kind of after the fact with, uh, you know, uh, Vern, all these guys playing up north. I mean, they're all studs, man, because they competed against studs day in and day out at Eastern Washington. Well, I mean, yeah, definitely. And then Gage Gubrud, he's the newest guy to go up to Canada. It's right. It's been like the last five starters for Eastern Washington quarterbacks have gone up to Canada and they've been starters in the CFL. Now, a lot of that has to do with the size of our quarterbacks. You know, a lot of them aren't NFL size, but um, I don't know. That seems to even be changing in the NFL. So we'll see. But our quarterback room is deep, and this just adds another weapon. There's going to be some contests in the next five years. They're going to be battling to see who gets that top you know, starter spot, and I'm excited to watch it happen. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> so we got this beast. Uh, <laughs> this kid, 6'8", he hasn't even fully grown into his frame yet, but Shane Schweik, uh, he's the number 10 kid coming out of Oregon, you know, the number 10 recruit. I mean... When you have a kid who's six eight, only two seventy, you know some some FCS schools they like to get kids that are in high school six four three fifteen. Dude, we can build some muscle on this kid. He's got room to grow. He's gonna be a beast. I would say redshirt him, pack on some weight, put him in the in the weight room, do some strength training, and I I mean I could see him as a potential starter as a true I mean a redshirt freshman. He's got where, the body know, type, man. He's got the body. He's six eight. You know, add maybe 30 more pounds of pure muscle on him, which is not that hard to do on a D1 program when you have some food coming to you, you have coaches. I mean, this kid's going to be a stud. I'm, I'm excited to see this kid from Eugene, Oregon. 
Yeah, and speak, speaking of just 6'8", I mean, I'm 6'2", and I had the opportunity to, you know, have a conversation with Jacob Wiley, uh, uh, Eastern Washington alum. You know, he's playing pros overseas, and, like, he's better, you know, at 6'8", man. I just was just staring up at him, and I just thought to myself, I'm like, this, I fuck, I don't like this. I don't like feeling small. <laughs> like, this makes me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, this kid, he's got the potential to be one of the largest, like, not not in terms of, you know, weight or anything i'm i'm talking about pure size yeah one of the largest kids in eastern washington football history from what i'm aware of i mean six eight as a lineman and he's oh only gosh. gonna grow into his body too which is just nuts yeah, he's, he's 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 18 19 years old right now i mean whatever age he is uh maybe even less i don't know this is class of 2021 but man i mean he he's got the size he's got the frame and you know the number 10 recruit out of the state of oregon i'm super excited we landed this kid yeah, a hundred percent. I cannot wait. I there, there's something about like just you know giant offensive linemen that are just brutal at the line of scrimmage. I'm really excited to watch him uh, play and watch him grow and watch him kind of just grow into his body and get in the weight room and just put more muscle on and just see what he could do. Yeah, and then then I got to talk about probably one of our biggest recruits that that we have in this class in terms of you know national pedigree. I think he had nine nine offers eight of them were d1 you know montana recruited him pretty much everyone in the big sky but uh this kid's out of kennewick washington tuna he's probably got the best name on the team already so you know we got to have some cool nickname for tuna but he is he is a powerful running back already he is built you know he's six foot 210 and that was in high school man we're gonna pack on some muscle and the cool thing is the last three to four years we've really we've really stepped up our running back depth you know, we had some studs back there, but like we have some tough running backs who are hard hitters that we're not just slinging to the outside. This is a kid who's going to run down people's throats. He's going to knock people down. I'm sure with, you know, a D1 weight room with some food, some, some extra lifting, he's probably going to be one of those kids who's 220, six foot, 220 when he's, you know, starting to play. And I mean, people are not going to want to hit him. Yeah, I, this was this one caught me off guard, uh, and the more I looked in, the more uh, excited I got that I, I cannot believe that we signed this individual to come to Eastern Washington. I mean, just a six foot, two hundred and ten running back, man. It's just the amount of things that uh, this offense can do with a player like this, man. Oh, I, I cannot wait to watch that take place. Now, I could probably go on because we actually have quite a bit of signees. You know, there were 16 of them. I don't think we have enough show. So I'm just going to name just a couple more and then, Rusty, if you have any input. But I got to say, we got two studs out of Utah, two stud linebackers, which was crazy because, you know, Weber State didn't get them, Southern Utah, Dixie State. But we got two stud Utahs right out of the heart of – or two stud linebackers right out of the heart of Utah. So we got Emilio Viter. Um, I mean, he's got a good size already, 6'2", 205. I've seen some of his game film. He can hit. He looks, you know, pretty tough. And then we got Daniel Tuamoyopea. I butchered that, but, man, I'm excited to see this kid. He's from Saratoga Springs. Uh, he's another 6'1", 205. He'll grow into his frame a little more, um, you know, pack on some more muscle. But he's fast. He hits hard. I'm excited to watch those linebacking cores. And then, you know, the last guy I'm going to mention, man. Um, man, I want to mention more, but. I'll mention Messiah Jones just because he is a freak of nature athlete. I don't know where we're going to put him. He could play five different positions if we really wanted to, but he's 6'6", 240. I don't know if we're going to use him as a tight end, as a wide receiver. 
as a corner, as a safety, or as a linebacker. I mean, this is one of those kids who can play literally every single position. So I'm excited to see Messiah Jones and really see where we plug him in. You know, he's rated as an athlete. Um, he's a top 200 guy at that position, number 36 in the state of Washington. But I mean, just with that size already, 6'6", 240, and it doesn't, most of it looks like muscle. Like he, he's already got a pretty large frame and he's just a freak of nature to where I think he can play four different positions. And I have no clue where we're going to see him go. Yeah. And, and just to add one more to the list and I, there's no doubt about it. We butcher some names. And if we butcher your name, you hit us up, send us a DM, say, Hey idiot, my name's pronounced this way and we will correct it. And then for the future, we are going to break down the entire class that was signed uh, to uh, the 2020, 21 class that was signed. And one name I want to throw out there is uh, Devonte Smith. I mean, uh, he's a wide receiver, 5'10", 180 pounds. And I would imagine he's a little bit more than 180 pounds now. And I say that because, I mean, Aaron Best mentioned this when he was talking about this kid. The amount of time this guy spends uh, in, you know, working out in the gym is just bananas. And uh, he, he's, a, he's a dude that, I mean, he, he's a hard worker, man. I'm excited to see what he can do uh, once he gets on the field. So, Yeah, one of the cool things is I never have to worry about how our classes are when we're recruiting wide receivers. Like I know every single one of our wide receivers are going to be ballers. So I'm always like more excited to see the non-wide receivers because I know for a fact, all of our wide receivers are going to be ballers. We're wide receiver you for, for a reason at the FCS level, you know, every single year we plug in and play and all of them are beastly. We, we have a great wide receiver recruiting pipeline, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to see some of these new kids, you know, um, hopefully since, since the spring season doesn't count, it's going to be weird. I think we're going to redshirt a lot of these guys, which is good uh, because they'll be able to get in the weight room. They'll be able to eat. They'll be able to get D1 size. Some of them already are. But um, since there is that kind of floater year that it doesn't count, we're going to see most of our starters back in the fall because we actually were lucky. We did not see a lot of people leave Eastern Washington like we did a lot of other programs. We got pretty lucky that we were able to you know, hold on to most of our players, if not all of them. I don't really – Remember seeing many transfers. Yeah. No, I can't remember off the top of my head. So I got one last little football news, and then we'll, we'll move on to your basketball. Is that all right with you, buddy? Let's do it. This one won't even take a lot of time, but all I got to say is goodbye, Southern Utah. Good riddance. We are not going to miss you. Southern Utah is leaving the big sky. They're going to the whack, and I think it's actually a really smart move if I was Southern Utah. They fit the mold of the big or the whack a little better. They got a rival in Dixie State. They they're really new to the Big Sky anyway, um, and they're going to the whack. And you know the Big Sky is overcrowded. I'm not sad to see them go. So good riddance, goodbye. But I actually think you guys made a smart move. The whack fits your guys's kind of threshold a little better anyway. Yeah, I also think it was a smart move, and and the big reason is uh, to me. It, Personally, I mean, the big sky, they just needed to kind of to trim the fat, you know what I'm saying? And uh, for Southern Utah to go to the whack, it made sense for them. It made for the big, it makes sense for the big sky. So I was happy to see him go. I was by no means sad to see him go. And what's really cool, guys, the WAC's going to be starting football in 2022, which means we're probably not going to have to schedule as many D2 teams to come to Eastern Washington. We'll be able to have a, a WAC and Missouri Valley pipeline for helping us, you know, get games. So I'm pretty excited with the emergence of the WAC. Hopefully it eliminates a lot of the D2 games we have to schedule at home sometimes in the out-of-conference. So uh, we'll be able to schedule, you know, Dixie State, Tarleton, Southern Utah, 
all of these WAC schools that are up and coming. Um, then also Sam Houston, you know, the Southland powerhouse, they're going to the WAC. So it's exciting to see a new conference develop kind of in the southwestern portion of the United States. Um, and I think will help our recruiting, or not our recruiting, but our actual scheduling should make it a little easier. With that that being said, because once, you know, Southern Utah uh, declared that they're going to the WAC, uh, I started looking at the WAC itself and uh, Seattle, uh, <laughs> Seattle University, I mean, they're just way out there on their own. You know what I'm saying? Or it, it, Seattle U. Yeah, Seattle U. I mean, they're just all out there, you know, by themselves. The amount of money it takes to travel for them is just—it's got to be bananas. But I'm sure they—they they do very well uh, when it comes to the financial side of things. But uh, have you ever thought about having, you know, Seattle U uh, in the Big Sky? Yeah. So I've actually talked about it a lot the last couple of weeks. I think, like, honestly, Seattle U—the type of university they are—they fit the the WCC the best, but they're just not a good enough program. Maybe if it was back in the fifties when they were actual basketball powerhouse, you know, the, the WCC would easily take them, but the WCCs emerged themselves as literally a top seven conference in basketball. Like they are, they're dominating. They have really good teams. Um, you know, two teams beat Virginia. It wasn't just Gonzaga. Uh, the WCC is getting real tough and I don't think they want Seattle U. So the only thing that makes sense for me is, for Olympic sports, because they don't have a football team, I would love Seattle U in the big sky for Olympic sports. I think it, it makes us a very smart fit. It, it meets all the regions. We can have an in-state rivalry. We already play them a lot anyway in basketball. Yeah, I, I don't know. This just as we looked at the map, I just a thought came into my head, and I just kind of asked myself, I'm like, yeah, that would be kind of interesting if it, if it makes sense, and who knows? Who knows what the future holds for something like that, so... And I'm sure the Big Sky wouldn't mind having the TV market of Seattle. Oh, yeah, I mean, right. Seattle U's not a, it's not a big draw, but when you get into a market like the Seattle, which is, you know, a top 25 type metropolitan area or top 25 city, that only increases the viewership potential of the Big Sky. So I think it'd be a smart move to go after Seattle U. Yeah, maybe, but then, well, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> so who knows? We can go down this rabbit hole. That being said, let's make you know a little transition, a poor transition, a rough transition uh, to basketball. And that being said, this has been a, a very crazy, a very unique season, which we all expected and understood going into it. But still, it's been very frustrating. I mean, Eastern Washington, who is. Uh, they were the favorite to win the Big Sky. Uh, they're kind of against the ropes right now. Uh, but that being said, I mean, they haven't had an easy road. Uh, they're currently three and five overall. They're two and one in the conference. I mean, looking at the first, you know, portion of the season, I mean, there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games that they just had to cancel. Uh, they had to postpone the Oregon game, which got rescheduled. They went 25 ga- days without a game, so they missed. Uh, the NAU, or you, I'm sorry, the NAU game, the Portland State game, both both Portland State games and both uh, uh, Weaver State games as well, and then they had to play Southern Utah. So it's just been such a crazy and 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 tough year uh, so far in regards to basketball for Eastern Washington. But that being said, I mean they have a very talented squad. They only lost two seniors last year, so in regards to team chemistry, uh, that should not be an issue. Going against in, into that first game against Southern Utah, I still favored Southern, or Eastern Washington to win that game. I mean, Southern Utah's got a really good squad right now. They're ten and two overall. They're five and one in the conference, and their only loss was to Eastern Washington that first game. Uh, what this past Saturday, I believe, and they won uh, Thursday. 
Thursday. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and they won 75-63. Uh, and they pretty much, you know, dominated throughout. I mean, they had the lead pretty much the entire game. So there was no surprise there. I mean, early on, you saw that they were kind of no- knocking the rust off. Uh, overall, they're 24-60 and 60, uh, field goal percentage. So the shot right around 40%, uh, including three points, uh, three-pointers as well. I mean, they played well. Uh, they moved the ball well. They had to knock off some early rust early in the game. Uh, I mean, you had Jacob Davis, who scored 15 points. Uh, Tanner Groves, he had 25 points and seven rebounds. Uh, Kim Aiken Jr. had nine points, almost had a double-double and 10 rebounds. So there was no surprise uh, going into this game that it was going to be a tough one, uh, that early on was going to be kind of, it will be very interesting to see what takes place. But I thought really uh, towards the end of the game that Eastern Washington was going to kind of set in and find their groove in which they did. And they held the lead and kind of uh, at the end kind of pulled away from Southern Utah. But there's, you know, two players, Jones and Knight from Southern Utah. I mean, those two dudes, I mean, they're athletic individuals i mean knight he could play anywhere on the court which is impressive because he's only probably six two at the max i would imagine but he was going straight up against tanner groves i mean anywhere on the court he's a fearless individual i mean so it was fun to watch southern utah uh play but going into the next game this was going to be very interesting because uh you know both teams had the opportunity to kind of reprogram or, you know, uh, come up with a, you know, a different strategy of attack against their opponent. And, uh, I mean, even majority of the game, Eastern was in the lead. They were in the lead for over 26 minutes. Uh, they had 26 minutes of lead time compared to Southern Utah's 11 minutes. And honestly, this, this game was pretty simple of what it came down to because the final score was 99 to 94 Southern Utah. It came down to uh, which team was going to be able to make a defensive stop and shooting selection. Eastern Washington shot 77 times during that game, 43% uh, overall for field goal percentage, but 77 times. That, I mean, that's just mind-boggling. They saw early success down low with Tanner Groves. I mean, he had 21 points, five rebounds. Jacob Davison had 31 points. Uh, Kim Aiken Jr. had 23 points and 12 rebounds. So he had a double-double. So if I told you going into at the end of this game, hey, you had Jacob Davison. He's going to score 31 buckets. Uh, Kim Aiken Jr. is going to score 23 points. And Tanner Groves is going to have uh, 21 points and five rebounds. In my mind, looking at that, I'm like, there's no way Eastern Washington loses this game. It, it, they're going to win. All their guys are scoring, you know. But that's that just wasn't the case. And like I said, they're finding early success with Tanner Groves down low, who's been playing like an absolute beast this season. He He's able to play physical. He's able to have finesse in the right moments. But it just seemed, for whatever reason, it kind of started to go away. And for Eastern Washington, I mean, they're a team that, you know, it, they could shoot it from three-point. And that was kind of almost their enemy because – I mean, they made a good amount. I mean, they were 19 for 43 from, uh, you know, three-point land. And that success, I think, kind of drove them to take more three-pointers or drove them to take more shots where they could have been a little bit more patient. And, you know, I'm by no means a coach, an analyst. I'm a fan like the rest of you listening. But, you know, from my perspective of things, I think if they kind of just slowed it down a little bit, uh, and, you know, took a little bit better shots uh, in regards to that second game, and they could have, you know, came away with the win because, I mean, they were, they had every opportunity to win that game <clears throat> against a can team I, that's really, you know, it's a very talented team. Can I ask you a question, Rusty? Yeah. 
<clears throat> okay, so unfortunately I didn't get to watch this game because my new work schedule kind of deterred me away because this was on Saturday and, and now I work Saturdays, which was a bummer. But when I'm looking at the stats, because I was trying to follow on the app, but of course, following the stats, following the game track, it doesn't really paint the picture. Mm -hmm. But what I noticed was, you know, we got to the line 12 times. They got to the line 34 times. We made nine free throws, or, you know, we had nine points from free throws. They had 30. I mean, could you say that was the biggest aspect or what, what was going on? How come... How come we were, you know, they had so many opportunities at the line compared to Eastern? Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to say, oh, it's officiating. Oh, it's officiating. No, I, I just, and I wasn't even no, going on that it, No, and I know you weren't, but I've heard that conversation uh, over the past 48 hours, and and I hate, I, mean, I, I, yeah. I, I don't like going down that road. And I, I just think Southern Utah put themselves in a position uh, where they're going to gain the advantage if that was, uh, through fouls, if that was through, you know, I mean, there was a couple technicals that took place and things that should have never happened, happened, unfortunately. And so Utah had 34, you know, shots at the free throw line, which is bananas compared to uh, Eastern Washington's 12. And for them to shoot 88% at the line, I mean, like you said, that that's a pretty, uh, you know, big deal. Uh, I mean, they t the game was tied 10 times. They had 15, you know, lead changes. I mean, this game was going back and forth throughout the game. So uh, it's just, it's unfortunate that the game kind of went down that way. But uh, I think this is just kind of, and this is by no mean excuse, but I mean, 25 days without a game, then having, you know, two games within a short period of time, which is what Eastern Washington needed against, you know, the number two team in the Big Sky right now. I mean, they're five and one in the conference. Uh, it, it, I mean, it was a tough. It was a tough thing. I mean, that's just that's just a fact. The Big Sky is tough basketball. It doesn't matter what team yeah. you're going against. We saw it all last season, right? The how many the Big games Sky's improved? Exactly, man. Even Idaho, who was the bottom of the barrel last season, and they're absolutely trash this year. Uh, <laughs> and they beat us at home last season. You know, you cannot overlook any opponent. It doesn't matter if you just beat them two days ago. You have to come prepared. Uh, so, I mean, it's just looking at Eastern Washington's stats so far this season, they're currently fourth in the big sky, uh, in scoring offense, almost 74 points a game. And they're allowing, uh, right around 72 points per game, uh, so far this season. And I truly think once this team gets more games under their belt, and this is something that the, conf uh, the coaching staff is very confident in as in as well as that this could be one of the top defensive you know units uh, in the big sky and i firmly believe that and uh again what i referenced in regards to you know shooting percentage or you know picking the right shots they're currently ninth in field goal percentage right around 43 percent and i think that was kind of the big story uh of the game is you know just putting yourself in a position uh for the best shot and to me, Tanner Groves is going to be a mismatch, mismatch for any team in the big sky. I mean, I would just continue to push it until it's not working anymore, until they have to collapse and double team Tanner Groves. And that's when you take, you know, your shots, uh, you know, outside the box or your three pointers or whatnot. And I don't know, man, I, I'm just looking at this Eastern Washington squad. They just got so many weapons. You got the big man, Tanner Groves down low and Tanner, if you're listening, I would stick with the white headband again, the first game against Utah. I think the red one's bad luck. Uh, but with that being said, you know, Kim Macon Jr., the dude's an absolute beast. Jacob Davison, I mean, he's the favorite to be, you know, the big sky MVP this year going into the season. And 
to me, one of the very interesting aspects of this team, and if you're watching it as a fan, is look at the guards, uh, Kassan Rouse and Ellis Magnuson. And it's, this is a very unique situation because I think both of those guards bring something different to the table. Uh, I think Kassan Rouse is kind of a, a more up-tempo guard compared to Ellis, uh, but I mean, Ellis is a, an amazing facilitator. Uh, I mean, so is Kassan Rouse, but they're both you know two different guards. And another individual that, uh, you know, Jacob Groves, another individual who's playing well, and uh, Steel Venters, is, who's starting to see more and more playing time. But, I mean, this is a very talented squad. Not only are starting five, but, you know, uh, Coach Legs is able to pull from the bench. So it'll be very interesting to see how the rest of the season takes place. I mean, the season doesn't get any easier. I mean, they play uh, Northern Arizona. I mean, they're currently – uh, in regards to the, you know where they're at uh, in Big Sky rankings, they're currently you know four and four, uh, which is kind of right in the middle of the pack, right behind you meant, Eastern Washington. You meant Northern Colorado? Yeah, who did I say? You said the trash team Northern Arizona. Oh, I know, and I did not say that. Yeah, I didn't mean to say them, but yeah, <laughs> and which you know Northern Colorado is is a very talented team as well. I mean, yeah. Bodie Hume, who we saw that battle against Mason Peatling last season, and he's scoring. Almost 16 points per game this season, seven and a half rebounds per game. So that is the kind of the battle to look out for in my mind is Tanner Groves going against uh, uh, Bodie Hume. Uh, it should be a pretty interesting game. But overall, man, this is such a strange year. I mean, you have a couple surprises if you look at the Big Sky standings uh, by itself. Uh, Montana State, I, I said early on in the season, at the beginning of the season, that I think this is going to be a very talented team. I was naysayed by some people. I won't call them out, but I will say I was correct so far. Southern Utah, <laughs> they have you know a bunch of talented individuals. It feels like you know the past couple of years, so uh, there was no surprise that they're going to be a talented team. Idaho State's. There's two teams that surprised me. One for a good reason and one for not a good reason. Idaho State, I mean, the 4-2 in conference, 7-6 overall, but they've been playing good basketball, man. They're getting wins when they, you know, you can't overlook, uh, like we talked about earlier, any team in the big sky, and they're getting wins. They're getting results. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. They're currently, you know, 4-2 in conference play, and the team that also surprised me, Montana, and I am so happy to see that they surprised me because I thought they were going to be kind of one of the top teams uh, in the Big Sky with Eastern Washington, but they've had a kind of a rough go so far uh, in Big Sky conference play. Uh, they're currently 2-4, and four, and it really comes down to offensive production. I mean, they're, they're a good defensive unit, but man, it's... It's pretty strange what's happening over there in Montana, and that's all we're going to talk about Montana-wise on this podcast today. So, well, I mean, what are your thoughts from from a fan's perspective and what what you've seen? I mean, I'm pretty excited to see what Eastern Washington, you know, how they've played at least at the beginning. I didn't get to see the Southern Utah game, so unfortunately I can't talk about how they look since coming off that long 28-day break or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, But... I mean, I watched them versus St. Mary's. I watched them versus Arizona. I watched them versus Oregon. I watched them versus WSU. And, I mean, I was happy with how Eastern Washington looks. Um, I, I have, I'm confident that, you know, when it comes to the Big Sky Tournament, we're going to do well. Um, we're a tough team to prep for. So, I mean, overall, I just got to say, man, I was happy. to We at least had a couple of Eastern Washington sports to watch this fall and this winter. And, um I'm finally glad, you know, we actually have a full healthy roster. The, the beginning of the year was a little tough. Yeah. So not only did we have cancellations and we had to adapt our schedule and change our schedule last minute, but then we were also dealing with COVID and players out. And it was just, 
it was just a whole ordeal. And I kind of felt bad because our team wasn't showing their full potential. Yeah. Um, now we're fully healthy. We had a couple tough games against Southern Utah. I mean, we won one. We went one and one with one of the best teams, it seems like, in the conference this year so far. Yeah. We'll see how it plays out. It's still a long season. But overall, I, I have high hopes. I think we're going to do well in the Big Sky Tournament. And I'm looking forward to actually watching um, the Northern Colorado game tomorrow. Yeah, and I, I know it, it, it might sound like I'm being hard uh, on the team. And uh, the only reason that being said, you know, with that being said, is just because I know th this team's potential is hot. This is a very talented team. This is a team that pushed WSU, uh, Arizona, St. Mary's, you know, to the wire, who are, you know, all very talented teams. I mean, shit, they only played WSU with seven players. Seven players. And some could argue that they should have won that game. I mean, the result was a loss. It is what it is. But this is a very talented team. And I truly believe as we get more games under our belt and we don't have these 25 days without any games, you're going to, you know, you're going to see the potential uh, come to fruition. And this team's going to be, uh, you know, very scary to play against. And nobody in the big sky is going to want to play this game team late in the season especially come tournament time and one person i forgot and i apologize for getting you is the fridge aka tyler robinson the dude's been playing yeah. out of his mind man uh it, it, and so that's a very you know uh the, he's been playing out of his mind man so we got university of northern colorado we have two games against them then we go against sacramento state and then university of idaho Montana State, uh, and then Montana, and then to finish it out, Idaho State. And each one of those teams is, you know, two games against each other. So it should be interesting. Uh, I think uh, I'm pretty confident that we're going to see a different team come uh, Thursday, which is tomorrow, uh, against the University of Northern Colorado. I think we're going to see Psycho T do his damage down low against Bodie Hume. We're going to see the you know guards do their work. Jacob Davis and Kim Macon Jr. do their work, and uh, I'm really excited to watch this team you know produce some Ws. Absolutely. And what time is the game tomorrow? Uh, the time the game is at, and the reason I'm stalling is because I'm pulling it up as we speak right now. Uh, the game is at 5.35 p.m. All right. I'll be able to watch that second half. I like it. Yeah, it'll be good. I'll, I'll be watching the whole game. I'll be tweeting it. If I'm not at work on calls and the game's on, I will be live tweeting it, watching the game as well. So, All right, man. Well, I think that's it for you know our welcome back show, Rusty. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, hey, hey, if you, hey, Patrick, I hope you're satisfied with the episode, man. You, you, you said you wanted it, you got it. Here's another episode of Eagles Power Hour. Uh, the, you know, holidays are over. No more excuses. We got basketball in full, full swing. We got spring football. Fingers crossed, right around the corner. I'm excited to talk some Eastern Washington football as well. I'm excited to uh, see what they can do, and uh, it's been good to get back on the podcast and talking some sports. Yeah, man. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you know you listening to this episode. Again, we apologize. It was holidays, 28 days of no Eastern Washington basketball to talk about, no updates with you know football. We didn't know what to do, and then you know life got a hold of us. But we'll be back. We'll we'll do this more often. We promise. Um, Rusty, do you want to close us out, buddy? 
Yeah, I'll do it. Hey, you can find us on pretty much any podcast platform. Just search Eagles Power Hour. Please, if they if they, they have the ability to rate us or leave a review, please do so. It kind of helps bring our podcast up when you kind of search Big Sky and things like that. And uh, that being said, thanks you know again for listening to Eagles Power Hour. Psycho T, the white headband, bro. Let's, let's take a break on the red headband for a little bit and see how that does. Hey, go Eagles. Go Eagles. Boom. <laughs>